Welcome to the Badger's Tales. Join me each episode as we wander the wild woodlands of Irish storytelling, foraging for the often forgotten stories of Ireland's past. Hello again, and welcome back to episode two of Badger's Tales. Yeah, I'm actually doing a second episode. Hopefully it'll even be a third and a fourth, but who knows? Well, listen to me. I've been really lucky for more than a decade now as a professional storyteller to have gotten to travel around Ireland and further afield as well, telling stories. But more importantly than that, I've been going around listening to stories. Two ears and one mouth is something that I was always told. And when I get a chance to ask someone, or I'm in a position to ask someone to tell me a story, I find that most people just need the smallest bit of encouragement. So a few years ago, I was over in the west of Ireland, and I met such a person. And when I asked him to tell me a story, it didn't take much at all. So to give you a bit of context, I'd met this man early in the day, and we'd spent a bit of time together, and he was showing me around. And at this point in the day, we'd gotten used to each other and we were having a bit of a lull. We were standing by the side of the road and I asked him if he could tell me a story. Says he, I could tell you about a dozen stories that happened within a stone's throw of the very spot we're standing on. Well soon enough we were standing by the edge of a small body of water and Michael, that was his name, he told me that there'd been a number of houses in the area Many of them had sprung up around the lake because there was good fishing and there was fresh water. And what more could a community need? Now he told me that there was one particular family that lived by the edge of the lake. And that was the family of Daniel Finnerty. Daniel Finnerty had 11 daughters and one son. But on the birth of his 13th child his wife had passed away. And now Daniel Finnerty spent his days from sunrise to sunset fishing on the lake, getting enough food together for his family. Daniel was as well known in the area for being a storyteller as he was for being a fisherman. So it was fairly common for people to come and sit beside him at the lake. They'd share their food and their drink with him and he'd share with them some stories. Daniel told stories about talking fish in the lake, headless coachmen down by the crossroads and fairies and giants. And there was a rumour that Daniel had even had an encounter with a leprechaun himself. But that was the one story that he'd never tell. Now, of course, while I am here standing listening to Michael tell me the story about Daniel Finity, I think all of a sudden he's going to launch into the leprechaun story. And I feel like I'm going to have something shared with me that's been shared with no one else. But that wasn't the way. It soon turned to gossip and slander. You see, Michael told me how a young girl in the area had fallen pregnant, and that the rumour was that the father was Daniel Finnerty's eldest son. But when that gossip made its way to Daniel Finnerty's ears, he was disgusted. To have his blood, to have his name dragged through the mud like that, was something that he couldn't forgive. It was as if he'd taken a vow of silence. People would still come and sit by the lake and share their food with him and sit in his company, but he wouldn't speak. And it wasn't until months later, until the baby had been born, that he turned to one of his companions and said, If this child is my blood, then I'll know just by looking at it. Send word to the baby's mother. Tell her to come down to the lake tomorrow morning and let me see the child with my own eyes. 
Well, word spread very quickly, as it does in small towns and villages around Ireland. And the next morning, there was Daniel, sitting by the edge of the lake fishing. And a small crowd had gathered around him. And the crowd grew bigger and bigger. But Daniel just ignored them and their chatter and kept on fishing. After a while of sitting there and the crowd getting bigger and bigger, suddenly there was pure silence. Still Daniel didn't move, but the young woman had arrived. She was so nervous. She was shaking and in her arms was a small bundle. The crowds parted as she made her way over towards Daniel. And without even turning to look at her, the man put down his rod and stood up. He was a huge figure of a man, and she looked like nothing more than a child in his shadow. But with trembling hands, she reached out and handed him the child. Now, Daniel took the blanket from around the child and handed it back to the mother so as to have a good look at the baby. And he held it up, letting the sunlight catch it, and he stared at it intently as all the onlookers just stood and watched. Suddenly, and in a swift motion, Daniel turned and launched the baby into the lake. A huge gasp was heard. People screamed as they ran down towards the water's edge. People were taking off their jackets and kicking off their shoes when Daniel let out a roar. Wait, he said. And everyone looked at the water as the baby bobbed to the surface and crawled back towards the edge to its mother's arms. As the shocked mother took the baby up and neighbours and friends handed blankets and their coats, Daniel was now behind the crowd. No one could believe what they'd just witnessed. And Daniel spoke again. That's my grandson, that is. That's my blood. That's affinity. Give him here to me now. In one motion, Daniel Finnerty scooped up the baby and its mother in his big, strong arms. He apologised. He begged her forgiveness and said that he was so sorry for ever doubting her. That now she'd be looked after. That his son would marry her and she'd never want for anything because she was family. Everyone watched as Daniel Finnerty strode off home with his soon-to-be daughter-in-law in his arms carrying his grandson. Now, when Michael got to this part of the story, he turned and walked off as if he was saying, and they all lived happily ever after without actually saying anything. And it took a few steps for me to catch up with him, but I had so many questions. I wanted to know how he knew it was his grandson and, 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 and what would have happened if, if the baby hadn't swam back to shore. Well, when I put those questions to Michael, he looked at me as if I was some sort of fool, an idiot, like I should already know the answer. And he said to me that years ago, Daniel Finley had had a run-in with a leprechaun. And it was a story he kept very close to his chest. He was casting off one morning and as he pulled the rod behind him, he hooked something in the bushes and he heard a scream. When he investigated, he found a leprechaun tangled in his line and caught on his hook. Not thinking for a moment what he could get out of this situation... Daniel unhooked and untangled the leprechaun and was ready to set him off on his way. The leprechaun was so grateful and amazed by this that he rewarded Daniel Finnerty. He told him that he'd grant him any wish that he desired. But rather than asking for riches or treasures, Daniel Finnerty's request was quite simple. He asked that none of his family would ever drown in the lake. And that's how the baby survived. 
That's how he knew he was his grandson. So then my last question for Michael was quite simple but quite sinister. And that was, well what would have happened if the baby drowned? Michael stopped walking, turned, looked me dead in the eye and said, well then I wouldn't be here to tell you the story now, would I? There's something really special about being told a story like that. Actually standing there outside with someone talking to you and actually being in the place where the story happened and talking to someone who in this case was was involved in the story in a very unique way with a very unique um, perspective on it even if they can't recall it themselves but it makes the stories very real and that's something that I've found with Irish folklore with Irish stories and I'm sure it's the same for other people from other cultures is that there's so much evidence there's so much of our landscape built into the stories that it almost doesn't matter how fanciful or, or how magical or, or even how true they are. Suddenly they become very, very real. And I'm always going to love stories like that. I'm always going to love stories that have a place, that have a setting, that no matter how many years have passed, you can go and stand in that spot. That makes a very special story to me. And it's been that way for me since I was a kid. Watching TV shows, growing up in the 80s, you know, and, and watching TV shows and, and seeing them referencing places that I think one day I'm going to go there. One day I'm going to stand in that place. And in some of those cases I have. And in some cases I still have plenty of time to visit the ones I haven't made it to yet. So hopefully when I tell a story and you guys hear it, one day you'll get to stand in those spaces. And even if you don't, you can always come back and listen to the stories again and again to the point where they're ingrained in your memory and they're as much a part of your life as they are of mine. And I'm going to keep on telling stories. For as long as there are people to tell stories to, I'm going to keep going. But that's the end of this episode of Badger's Tale. I've been Mark, you can call me Badger, and I'll see you again next time.